Hi, my name is Twyla, and I want to welcome you to Lifeline Community Church's Sermon Podcast. We're a church committed to inspiring people to follow Jesus further. We believe that everything in Scripture points towards Jesus, and no matter where you are in life, we believe everyone can find Him. When we do find Him, He leads us to a life that thrives. I hope you enjoy this week's sermon. Take care. All right. Well, good morning. How is everybody this morning? Awesome. Uh, my name is Corey. Uh, Dad introduced me. I'm one of the youth volunteers here at Lifeline. Um, just to say this real quick, y'all kids are awesome. We have a really great time with them on Wednesday nights. Um, some of them are going to Bethel camp. Definitely be praying for them. Um, they're going to have a ball. Um, but I've been blessed with great parents, Mike and Jen, and three awesome sisters. Uh, if you don't know me very well, top three things you need to know about me. I love donuts, I love to hunt, and I love to fish, in that order specifically. <laughs> if you're in my truck, and we're going past the Krispy Kreme, and the hot light's on, we're getting four dozen donuts. <laughs> I have a gift card in the back of my phone that's buy one, get one dozen free, and it's happening every single time. Uh, I don't care if they can't spell Krispy or cream, right? They're delicious. Uh, but as I was preparing for this and thinking about what to share with you guys, I kind of started Googling stories, trying to figure out kind of what to break the ice. Um, and I found one website that was uh, craziest stories from the ERs. And I was like, that needs to happen. So clicked on it. And it has nothing to do with what I'm talking about, but I thought you might get a kick out of it. So this guy walks into the emergency room, right? And doctor looks at him, and he can see he's kind of burned. His shoes are charred. His pants are burned. Um, his skin's a little bit burned. It's not too bad. But the doctor walks up to him and immediately smells alcohol in his breath. He's like, whoa. So he asks the guy, he's like, sir, have you been drinking? And he's like, nope. <laughs> but clearly he's been drinking. Um, what he'd actually done was he'd taken a propane weed burner that he made himself. I don't know if y'all have seen the industrial version at Lowe's. There's actually a, a safe version you can use. He made his own. I'm thinking it's probably looked like a flamethrower or something. Um, but he's torching his weeds that way. And um, so the doctor, I mean, clearly this man had been drinking. And he didn't want to pass up an opportunity. So he's sitting there taking notes and liar, liar, pants on fire. <laughs> I'm sure they got a good kick out of that one. Um, but I don't know how you make a good transition from that, so here we go. <laughs> Our culture today would say things like, follow your heart or do whatever makes you happy. This idea and perspective comes from humanism. And some of you might know what humanism is. I had to look it up, um, but what I found is humanism is a very optimistic view of humanity at its core, and its beliefs stress the natural goodness of humanity. Um, for example, if you have humanistic beliefs, you're probably going to be very tolerant of people and their life choices because you'd believe that people are inherently good. Um, so these humanistic ideas have kind of been slipped into the movies, books, songs that we watch and listen to. Um, for example, Listen to Your Heart by Roxette. I think that came on earlier. Uh, or the Disney movie Pocahontas. They have strong themes of listening to your heart. Um, so it's no wonder that it can be easy for us to gravitate towards that as an idea that the human heart is something we can follow because it's so prevalent in our culture. 
But scripture, however, would lead us to believe something different. And Jeremiah 17, 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Meaning our hearts, hang on, that's a slightly less optimistic view of the heart, isn't it? In Proverbs 4.23, we're told, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Meaning our hearts are a very powerful part of us. It's where we get our passion and our drive for the things that we do. And what we allow into our hearts then has big implications for what's going to come out of our lives. If we allow our heart to lead us like our culture would suggest, we'll be led down a destructive path that could take others with us. For example, this is a crude illustration, but say someone just really wants more money. They desire it, they just really want it. I think that's something we all have a tendency to do. But say they start thinking about these odd jobs that they can pick up, um, just odds and ends to kind of get a little extra cash, make rent, save a little extra money. Um, But as they're thinking about these ideas, a thought just briefly comes to their mind about maybe sneaking a little cash from work, Um, maybe taking a little extra out of the cash register. And they don't think much of it, but later they found out they didn't budget very well for that month, and rent's coming up, and they know they're not going to be able to make it. So the quick and easy thing for them to do is sneak a few 20s out of the cash register every day until rent. Um, Nothing happens, and they get away with it, and the next month it's easier to do it again. And this time it's because they want to buy those new golf clubs or those new shoes or that new tree stand. Um, Eventually, they get caught and they lose their job and they can't find a new one because nobody trusts them. And meanwhile, they've got a family at home to provide for. See how that kind of, it takes other people with us. Um, Letting our heart lead us hurts more than just us. But if we guard our hearts and understand that it will try to deceive us, we can think critically and compare it to Scripture, like, does this line up? Is this really what the Bible says? Um, And we can quickly find two examples in Scripture of where a human heart comes into play, one with the Egyptian Pharaoh um, and the other one with the disciples and Jesus. Most of you are probably familiar with the story of the children of Israel as they exited Egypt, Um, but we're going to kind of focus today on Pharaoh's story in this moment, instead of what happens to the Israelites. And in the passage we're about to read, Moses has just returned from Egypt. Now, where he was, is he had seen an Egyptian beating up on one of his fellow Israelites. And it made him so angry that he actually killed the Egyptian and buried him in the sand. And then when he found out other people knew about it, he left the country, because he was scared that he he might get killed because of it. Um, So he's just come back from this because God has called him back to Egypt. And um, so his job is to go to Pharaoh and basically ask for time off for the Israelites. Um, So we'll start here. Um, Later, Moses and Aaron went in and said to Pharaoh, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, let my people go so that they may hold a festival for me in the wilderness. But Pharaoh responded, Who is the Lord that I should obey him by letting Israel go? I do not know the Lord, and I will not let Israel go. Moses and Aaron answered, The God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go on a three-day trip into the wilderness so that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God, or he may strike us with plague or sword. 
And Pharaoh again replies no, despite the warning from Moses and Aaron. And to be honest, this is probably a fair answer, right? Pharaoh's not been brought up around the God of Israel. He's not a Jew. He's not, I mean, he's not had this upbringing to let him know who this is. This would be kind of like a college football team claiming that they're the best in town. And around here, we know Georgia, Alabama, Clemson, but who's North Dakota State? It'd be kind of something we could compare it to. So Pharaoh holds his ground and says no, and Pharaoh actually makes life harder for the Israelites because of it. And essentially what he does is he says, he tells all his foremen, he says, okay, I know you were providing straw for the Israelites making the brick. Now you don't provide that anymore. You don't have to worry about it. They have to go get their own, but they still have to make enough bricks to meet my quota. For us today, let's use Yoder's as an example. Who all, who all here works at Yoder's? Half the church. Okay. All right. Um, so I'm going to use Colson as an example. He works in the engineered wood department. So let's say his, his boss requires him to sell 150 wood beams each week. But now his boss just gave the, the shipping department three weeks off or something. So now he has to go get his wood beams and bring them back and sell them each week to make meat as 150. That'd be pretty difficult. So you can kind of see the Israelites would probably be pretty frustrated with this because it happened right after Moses and Aaron went and talked to Pharaoh. So they come and they say this. There we go. You have made us reek to Pharaoh and his officials, putting a sword in their hand to kill us. What they're saying is, Pharaoh really does not like us right now. And it's because of you and after your meeting that he started this. And now he has an excuse for his foreman to kill us because we can't possibly meet his quota of bricks that he wants us to make. So Moses and Aaron ask God why he ever sent them, if all it ever did was make life miserable for the Israelites. And so God tells them that he will deliver them from the Egyptians and give them the promised land that he promised to Abraham. And they go to Pharaoh again, and this time God says, when you go to Pharaoh, he's going to ask you for a sign. When he asks you for a sign, Aaron, throw down your staff, and it's going to become a serpent. And so this is what they do. They go in there, Pharaoh asks him for a sign, he throws his staff down, it becomes a snake just right there. And then Pharaoh's like, okay, well, so he calls all his buddies in, his sorcerers, and they do pretty much the same thing. Each threw down his staff and it became a serpent, but Aaron's staff swallowed all of theirs. However, Pharaoh's heart was hard, and he did not listen to them, as God had said. So that's one act of God that Pharaoh has chosen to ignore, that he's hardened his heart to. And what do you think was motivating him to ignore it? It's pretty hard to ignore. I mean, it seems like it would be. Imagine you're in the room and some ragged-out desert hippies come walking in. They throw their stick on the floor and it becomes a snake. So then you call your sorcerers, they do the same thing, and then his eats all yours. It's like, I don't know how you could ignore that. But um, after seeing that, what's motivating you to say no? It could have been money. I mean, he has a whole nation enslaved to him. He's probably making a lot of money. It could have been because of his ambitions and pride and who he wanted to be. 
He probably had high aspirations of the things he wanted to build in Egypt and also who he wanted to be remembered as. I'm sure he wanted to be remembered as a great pharaoh. He wanted to make Egypt great again. And he wanted you to know it, he wanted me to know it, and he wanted China to know it. (laughs) Ancient Egyptians, and this pharaoh specifically, would have believed in an afterlife that they could take their possessions with them. So for this pharaoh to see these guys asking him for all his workforce, basically, to leave, that would have been pretty hard to stomach because you know the quality of your afterlife depends on these people. Oh, I lost my spot. So either way, he chose to not let them go ten different times. After some horrible plagues, his heart was hardened to the idea of letting them go. And another time we see an example of hardened hearts is with Jesus and his disciples. In Mark 8, 11 through 20. The Pharisees came and began to argue with him, demanding of a sign from heaven to test him. Kind of see the parallel there. Uh, Egyptian Pharaoh demanding a sign from Moses and Aaron. It's kind of the same thing happening. Sighing deeply in his spirit, he said, Why does this generation demand a sign? Truly I tell you, there will be no sign given to this generation. Then he left them, got back in the boat, and went to the other side. The disciples had forgotten to take bread and had only one loaf with them in the boat. Then Jesus gave them strict orders, watch out for the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. They were discussing among themselves that they, had, they didn't have any bread. Aware of this, he said to them, why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you understand or comprehend? Do you have hardened hearts? Do you have eyes and not see? Do you have ears and not hear? And do you not remember? When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of leftovers did you collect? Twelve, they told him. When I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many basket loaves, basket full of pieces did you collect? Seven, they said. And Jesus is asking his disciples why they don't understand. He asks, do you have hardened hearts? After everything you've seen me do, just like Pharaoh, Pharaoh had seen a lot of signs, after everything you've seen me do, And after I provided more than what you needed, and it was actually for you and people around you, do you still not see that I'm enough? Do you still not see that I'll provide you with what you need? When we allow our hearts to harden, we kind of get tunnel vision. If you've ever been in Amish country, some of you have, um, you know what I mean when I say we become like a buggy horse. We've got those blinders on, and we're not paying attention to anything outside of us. We're just keeping track of what's in front of us. We look at our own agendas and our own plans and we decide that our way is better or makes more sense and forget, to, forget or choose to ignore that we're not our own anymore. The Apostle Paul had something to say about this. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So Jesus has given us an opportunity to become a slave of God. And I know what you're thinking, that doesn't sound good. I thought slavery is bad, and it usually is. But this time it's different. Slaves normally work with no benefit to themselves, but only their master. 
But Jesus has already provided that benefit for us. Should we choose to be his slave? It's like a signing bonus. You accept Jesus' sacrifice and follow him. In return, the benefit you reap leads to holiness and the result is eternal life. So in these two examples, Pharaoh and the disciples, we see two different aspects of what a hard heart could look like. One was Pharaoh's. We can see pretty quickly that a hardened heart against God and ignoring his plan makes things pretty difficult for us. And in the second example, the disciples are the ones with a hard heart. And Jesus, I imagine, gets frustrated because he's done signs and wonders in Israel. And his disciples still do not understand fully who he is because their hearts are hard. But the thing is with their hearts is they don't know that. They've been taking for granted the miracles they've seen Jesus do because it's been so often. Or they've been taking for granted how he provided for them. Practically for us, how we might take his miracles for granted is when God helped my family through a tough time. How God helped me and my wife work things out. How God provided for us when we're in a tough spot financially. How God provided healing for my son or daughter. And later, Paul, later God leads Paul to write, possibly because he might have experienced this himself, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Sometimes when we're in a tough spot, we take for granted God's grace. We so desperately want that one thing, maybe it's healing, maybe it's a friendship, maybe it's a job, and then when that doesn't go our way, we get angry at God. And take for granted that Jesus has already given us everything. We take for granted that his grace is sufficient for us. It was a couple years ago that I found something that I really wanted. More than that, I felt like I needed it. And I prayed to God about it a lot. And not too long after that, I had it. It was mine and I was so happy. I couldn't believe how much God had blessed me. And I praised him and thanked him for it often. And I grew closer to God because of it. And then one day on the way to work, I felt God like I've never felt him before or since. And I went to work so fired up because I knew I had felt God's Holy Spirit that morning. And that evening, the thing that I was so excited about was taken away from me. And so I went from a spiritual high to just a deep depression just right away. And almost immediately, I start blaming God for it. God, if that thing that caused me to search for you, and that caused me to, what I believe, have that experience with you, why did you just take that away from me? It seemed like you gave it to me after I prayed for it. Why'd you take it? God, I've been a good kid. I've never been drunk. I've never been high. I've never stolen. never done all these things. I've chosen to live your way, God. Maybe for you, it's something like, I've been faithful for so many years. I gave to my church. I kept high integrity at my job. I never cheated on my spouse. Or whatever it is. God, I made choices for you that were difficult, and if anyone deserved that one thing, that was me. God, you owe me. It's that type of moment. And if that's how you treat those you love, I'm out. Anyone else been there? When you get to this point, you kind of start to resent God a little bit. I know I experience resentment with God. 
I don't know if I could have been angrier with God over this. And this whole time, I see that Jesus was tortured and nailed to a cross because of how much he loves me. I see all these stories and the miracles he performed out of love and compassion for people, but I chose to harden my heart towards it. I was like that Amish buggy horse we talked about. I got my blinders on, and I'm just going to keep on trucking. I know there's more to the situation, but I'm going to trust what I can see and feel. What I was doing is I was ignoring the Bible. I was ignoring God's track record of proven faithfulness and listening to my hardened heart. So the question we need to ask ourselves is, what does God want for us? I believe, and I believe Scripture would lead us to the fact that He wants a full life for us. He wants an abundant life for us. A hard heart leads us away from those things. So what if each of us could live like God meant for us to and the freedom that he has for us? We can each take a step towards that today. So here's an opportunity for that. In a few moments, we're going to play a song and all I want us to do is to simply pay attention to the words. For some of us, It may be a time for us to forgive that person that we haven't forgiven or to fix that relationship we let burn. Or maybe for others, it's a time of repentance or a time to start trusting God because we haven't been. And for some of us, it's a time of confession or maybe taking that next step in faith. But for all of us, it's a time that we can honor God with our hearts and praise him wherever we're at in life. So as we listen to this song, um, take a moment and reflect, pray or worship together. Um, I'll pray for us before we listen to it. Father, we come to you today and we just, we thank you for the freedom we have in America to be able to worship you publicly, to come in a house and meet together. Father, we don't want to take that for granted. And Father, right now we just, we ask that you speak to us as we take a moment to kind of just just listen to you. And Father, I pray that you would help us to soften our hearts to what it is you have to say to us and that we would honor you with our hearts, Father. In Jesus' name.